everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will serve as a follow-up to one recently had on China specific to regulatory and policy developments and the implications they carry to investors. So joining me here on the line for the conversation today, glad to welcome back to Top of the Morning, Alejo Zerwanko, Chief Investment Officer, Americas for Emerging Markets with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So Alejo, good morning to you. Welcome back and looking forward to our conversation today. Good morning, Dan. It's always great to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And Alejo, I know our conversation today will tie into the recent Investing in China publication from the Chief Investment Office. The publication talks about, Alejo, how recent actions taken by China's regulators towards certain Chinese companies have heightened fears of delistings by many prominent Chinese American depository receipts, or ADRs, here in the U.S. But ADRs delisting is only half of the market's concern here, with the other half being over the future status of the variable interest entity structures, or VIEs, that many of these ADRs and offshore Chinese stock listings rely on. So I know, Alejo, in your recent report, China VIEs and ADR, the listing risk implication for U.S. investors, your team zeroed in on these topics. So maybe let's start with the basics as an education, so to speak, for some of our listeners who might not be as familiar. Uh, What exactly are VIEs? Absolutely, Dan. I think we need to start by recognizing that these are complex topics. And a detailed explanation of these issues is practically impossible in short podcast form. We'll give it our best, but we do recommend uh, clients and interested individuals take a look at the written report. Um, As you rightly suggested, we need to start with the basics. The variable interest entity structure has for many years, uh, um, actually, allowed Chinese companies to sidestep local restrictions on foreign investing in certain sensitive sectors. This includes technology, education, and media, for instance. In order to do this, VIEs, as they're commonly known, don't grant actual direct ownership of the underlying assets from a legal standpoint. VIEs have typically been used by Chinese companies listing offshore in Hong Kong or as American depository receipts in the U.S. or ADRs. Almost all Chinese Internet companies' uh, ADRs, such as Alibaba and Tencent, make use of VIE structures. Chinese companies have used these structures in the year 2000. Now, Beijing's unexpected move to ban education firms from using it a few weeks ago has caused quite a bit of investor concern. Now, once again, given that BIEs only grant ownership to offshore shell companies, but no direct legal ownership in underlying assets, the biggest risk for investors is if China outlaws the structure. We think the probability of this happening is very low particularly considering the negative repercussions that this would have for China and the fact that this runs contrary to the country's recent capital market reforms. Other risks, of course, include uncertainty around the Chinese legal system and the lack of legal recourse, for instance, in U.S. courts. These are certainly relevant risks that investors need to be aware of 
when investing in China. Well, Alejo, that was very helpful as a backdrop and an explanation in terms of what VIEs are. I know you mentioned this, though this is, of course, a very complex topic, a lot to unpack here, and perhaps that will lend itself to some follow-up conversations. Although carrying on this morning, maybe we can pivot over to a Chinese ADR. So, Alejo, can these be delisted from U.S. exchanges? I think a bit of, of context helps here as well. As we all know, U.S.-China relationships have worsened in recent years. And in this environment, the U.S. administration under uh, President Trump opened up a couple of legal channels for potential delisting of Chinese ADRs from U.S. exchanges. These channels have remained open under the Biden administration. Now, the ultimate outcome for Chinese ADRs will depend on both U.S. and China regulators and lawmakers. For the time being, both sides remain in dialogue, and this is a developing story. But the, the reality is that it's likely going to be at least two years before any significant action occurs. So even though delisting risks do exist, and this applies for the vast majority of Chinese ADRs trading in the U.S., this is not an immediate threat. Again, it's a developing story, and investors look likely to have time to plan accordingly. Okay, so Alejo, these recent developments, they raise a bigger question here as to whether this makes Chinese ADRs specifically and Chinese equities in general uninvestable for U.S. investors due to the regulatory and policy risk overhang that you've explained to us. Do you think, Alejo, that this is the case? This is certainly a valid concern, Dan, but overall we think it's overstated for a number of reasons. First off, China's recent actions do not change the country's long-term priority to develop strategically important industries and technologies, in our view, which in turn offers compelling growth opportunities to investors. Second, China has engaged in a multi-year process of opening up, particularly when it it pertains to financial markets, uh, and there is no indication in our analysis of a reversal of that process. Any changes to the VIE structure or other measures that would deter foreign investors' interest would be at odds with this policy initiative. Third, the markets are already pricing a sizable risk of um, uh, things becoming more complex in in the Chinese equity space. Uh, And while this doesn't preclude further downside in the near term, we see long-term value being created as a result of the recent market declines. And fourth and last, potential delistings from U.S. exchanges do create possible disruptions for U.S. investors that own ADRs, but this should be temporary, and there are ways that this risk can be managed. So all in, recent developments do add complications to investing in China, but the reality is China remains too big and distinct to ignore even with this added uncertainty. It's important to evaluate the opportunities to invest in China objectively and with a clear understanding of the operating environment for foreign investors. We hope that our work in this area helps throw light on a complex topic, but we think that investors by and and large should remain engaged in Chinese assets, and this is something that over the medium to long term will pay off 
in terms of con- contracting portfolios. Well, Alejo, the clarity in terms of whether there is a path or paths forward for investment opportunities in China, that, that's very helpful. It sounds like the answer is a yes, so it's helpful to have some context around that. Now, what would you identify, Alejo, this might serve as a good closing point, at least for today's conversation, but as of today, Alejo, what would you identify as being the investment implications that our listeners, our clients really need to be aware of today? Definitely. Thinking about Chinese equities, Dan, as you know from our prior conversations in this area, we think that there will likely be more regulatory moves by Chinese authorities in in the next few months. As a result, we remain neutral on Chinese stocks over our tactical horizon, thinking six, six to 12 months out. Now, within Chinese equities, we are more constructive on sectors that face less policy headwinds. Think of green tech, consumer durables, and energy as uh, the more favored sectors. We are less positive, on the other hand, on those uh, that are suffering more from the regulatory drive, the property sector, healthcare, and the internet sector, for instance. In addition, by and large, we think the onshore market looks more appealing over the next few months than the offshore market in the near term. And overall, Dan, as I highlighted earlier, despite near-term uncertainties, despite the volatility that Chinese equities have been experiencing in recent months, we think exposure to the asset class over the medium to long term will continue to pay off. Well, Alejo, this, of course, a very fluid situation and one that we'll continue to have follow-up conversations on. Of course, in the meantime, we do encourage our clients listening and especially to do have a follow-up conversation with their financial advisor if they have any questions based on what they've heard today on the podcast or about the story in general. Of course, we encourage our listeners, our clients to read the publication as well. It takes a much deeper dive into some of the topics we discussed on the podcast today. But Alejo, this is very very helpful. Looking forward to keeping track of this story and having you back on to keep us informed as we learn more. Thanks for the invitation, Dan. Anytime. Thank you, Alejo. Appreciate it. And again, today we've been joined by Alejo Zerwanko, Chief Investment Officer, Americas for Emerging Markets with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So as a reminder to our clients and our listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does publish a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. Uh, These resources can all be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO, of course, including the publication which Alejo has been making reference to during our conversation on top of the morning today, Investing in China, China VIEs, and ADR, the listing risk, implications for U.S. investors. For clients of UBS, you can contact your financial advisor if you would like to learn more about today's topic or if you would like to receive a copy of that publication directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only.
As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.